0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Kona Shame Show. Gang, great stuff going on over here as usual. If you're not signed up for the Dr. Andy Rourke newsletter, head over to DrAndyRourke.com and do that. We give away $100 every week for people who are signed up for the newsletter. It's all great stuff. It's the podcast. It's the articles from DrAndyRourke.com. You don't want to miss it and you might win $100. Gang, if you would like to get a video from me, for your friend that says, hey, you're awesome, I have heard this thing about you, and keep kicking butt, I'm happy to make that thing. All I ask is that you write an honest review of the Kona Shame uh, Vet Podcast, and then shoot me an email. The email is podcast at com. Tell me who to give a shout out to, and I'm happy to do it. Now, let's go ahead and get into this episode, guys. This is another of the uh, Cone of Shame Essentials episodes, I have my friend Dr. Lori Hess back on because she's amazing. I want to keep doing exotic animal basics. These are this is I'm not kidding when I say this is a weakness that I have. It's something I'm not secure about, and I am actively working on this in my own practice. So you're hearing me grow. I want to be good with exotics, and uh, Lori is helping me out. And so I'm just getting her on, and we're working through the basics. So today we've got a classic example with a bunny rabbit. Uh, the types of stuff we see all the time. So uh, hang on, we're gonna listen to Lori and I talk through the bunny rabbit. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Lori Hess, she is amazing, which you will find out. She is a boarded uh, avian exotic animal specialist, She uh, owns her own practice in New York City. She is an active member of the uh, Association of Exotic Mammal Veterinarians, uh, the Association of Reptile and Amphibian Veterinarians, the Association of Avian uh, Veterinarians, and the Association of Zoo Animal Veterinarians. She writes for websites, does lots of social media stuff. She's truly amazing. You're going to hear all about it right now. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Hey, everybody. I am here with my good friend, Dr. Lori Hess. Thank you for being here.
1: So, well, thanks for having me.
0: I love chatting with you about this stuff. Let's go. We're going to play today to one of my weaknesses, which is I, I love these episodes. I love episodes. I am weak in because this is making me a better doctor. And that's that's really what I've always wanted. Um, let's talk exotics again. Let's talk bunny rabbits. We Great. see we see we see bunny rabbits at our practice. Um, I hide in the back. when they come in because I'm not confident in my skills with bunny rabbits. And so let's start building the base um, to at least get me to a a semi-competent level and something I can can build off of. So I have a five-year-old unspayed female rabbit in exam room one. Her presenting complaint is lethargy, and she has not been eating for the last day or two. Lori, how do you treat that?
1: Well, I see maybe about three of these a day in my practice. Life okay. um, I, think, I think if you're going you're gonna to work in the small animal world at all with the popularity of rabbits that we see today, I mean, we in my practice probably see like five rabbits a day at least. Um, super popular animals. People love them. And they're living longer now. And that's because we really know more about them. So um, basic stuff with bunnies. Remember that um, exotics in general, a lot of exotics are prey species, as opposed to cats and dogs that are predators. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to think like a rabbit. Rabbits are very timid. They're skittish. They freak out. They've often not been out of the house. So, um, And they're also really um, strong. They break their backs really easily. Remember, they have really strong legs. Mm-hmm. So. Before you do anything, you want to make sure that you're getting a really good history from this owner, you want to find out about nutrition, Um, rabbits are herbivores, and you want to get an idea of a little bit more about what they're fed, um, how they're housed, because there are a lot of clues in that information. Um, it's not like you know. There's a standard diet for rabbits. Like you open a can of cat food or a bag of dog food. A lot of rabbit owners have different amounts of pelleted food they feed. They have uh, some give hay, some don't. Some believe in vegetables, some don't. Those are all really important to understanding the GI health of a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and rabbits often will develop um, gastrointestinal stasis or GI stasis. It's a big buzzword buzzwords in rabbit medicine because that's sort of like a slowing down of the GI tract, not wanting to eat. But it's often not a primary disease. It can be a life-threatening disease. But it might be due to a reproductive problem. It might be due to a dental problem. So while you have to treat the GI signs that you see, it's not eating, it's not passing stool, you have to decide, is that really the primary problem here or is there something secondary underlying? So like with this animal, you have a five-year-old, Um, unspayed female rabbit. Whenever I hear unspayed female rabbit, I know that statistics show that rabbits above the age of about three, upwards of 70% of them get uterine disease. They get uterine cancer. Uterine cancer is just like it is in cats and dogs, other than, you know, it's, uh, except for the fact that female rabbits, it's extremely common. Um, it's pretty much guaranteed in most rabbits if you don't spay them. If okay. the uterus is you know, very large, it's going to push on the GI tract. It's going to make them uncomfortable. They may go off their food, but it's not because they have primary GI disease again. So um, I want to find out, you know, has the owner noticed anything different in the animal's environment? Um, Is it urinating normally? Is it passing stool? Do they see any blood-tinged urine, for example? That would be a sign of potentially a a reproductive problem, a uterine problem. What's tricky in rabbits is that they have pigments in their urine called porphyrins that Mm -hmm. look red-brown. You have to decide, you know, if you're seeing more of that, is that a normal thing in that rabbit or is it blood? Um, Rabbits also have teeth that grow continuously, unlike cats and dogs. So they can get dental problems that will make it hard for them to chew. It may be painful for them to chew. They get sharp edges on their teeth if they're not wearing down their teeth properly. um, They need hay, and if they're not getting any hay, their teeth may become overgrown, and now they may have sharp points, they may get cuts in their mouths, they may develop dental abscesses, and that makes them go off food. So there's a primary dental problem there. So getting a good history, you know, what is the animal eating? Um, Did it get into something? They chew on everything. You know, they chew baseboards. I've seen lead poisoning in these guys. So getting a really good history, but basic stuff, what do they eat? Do they go outside? Are they inside? And then going back to, you know, our basic skills again, um, the general body systems approach um You know, we're going to again start, it's not like, pretend it's a cat, you know, you're going to start at the top, you're going to do your, um, what's its demeanor, is it hydrated, is it pink, and all of that stuff is just like a cat or a dog. Just remember again that I said their back legs are very strong, so you have to have someone holding these animals securely. Um, they like to be in contact either with a table or a body, um, you know, they don't like to be dangling, and if you pick them up and you don't support their hind end, they can kick and break their back, and that would be a disaster, obviously.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, that's Literally. the stuff of nightmares, yeah. Yes.
1: So you want to have someone who's comfortable. Um, I will, sometimes if rabbits are crazy and they're jumping off the table everywhere, I will sit on the floor with them. Um, I will actually sit with my back against the wall and my knees up in front of me and I will lay the rabbit on its back. Um, so it's literally laying with its, the bottoms of its feet facing me with its back on my knees. And it mm-hmm. sounds crazy, but that relaxes a rabbit. And I can now, barely restraining it, look into its mouth, look at its eyes, look at the its ventrum, look at the bottom of its feet, and I'm barely restraining this rabbit. So, okay. um, you know, that's another little tip or trick. But getting on the floor with them, watching them move around, um, again, that's similar to dog or cat. Um, looking at the animal's stool, we often don't look at dog and cat's stool unless the owner reports that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that rabbits, You know, poop every single second of the day, and they should have no solid poop. Um, It should be of a certain size. If you're seeing either no poop or very tiny poop, they're probably not eating, or they maybe they're eating, but their GI tract is slowing down. Um, We mentioned before GI stasis. That really means exactly what it sounds like it's a slowing down of the gastrointestinal tract. Probably the most common thing we see in rabbits um, because it basically means that things are not moving through and it might not be because there's a true physical blockage like you might see with a foreign body in a dog or a cat but it might be because the bacteria that ferment their food remember you know they're herbivores like you know horses or cows or whatever that happy population of bacteria is now off it's not fermenting the food properly they're not moving the food through properly and they're they're not passing stool properly so it may accumulate in their belly. The GI tract gets off and the gas-producing bacteria come in. They produce more gas. So we're talking about clostridium commonly. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes them painful. It makes them not want to eat even more. And now you have that vicious cycle of, I wasn't eating. My GI tract is off. I have dysbiosis or abnormal bacteria, more clostridia, more gas production, not wanting to eat even more. Regardless of what the cause of GI stasis is, um, you need to get the GI tract moving. And then you need to figure out what's going on with the animal. Why is it not eating? It doesn't have dental problem, reproductive problem, et cetera, as we said.
0: Okay. So uh, dysbiosis, is there... um, there Am I going to feel a bloated abdomen, or am uh, I going to be doing other diagnostic testing to, to kind of sort that out?
1: Well, you may feel a bloated abdomen. You may feel a big bloated stomach. Remember that these are herbivores, so they have more gas normally than a dog right. or a cat. And if you take films, if you take radiographs, you're going to see gas in there. And what might look like um, a foreign body obstruction you know, in a dog or cat's x-rays, if you're looking at a rabbit's x-rays, they normally have more gas. So that may be normal to see some gas in there, but it isn't normal to see gas throughout with no GI, with no, you know, gesta moving through. Um, you know, it's not normal to see pain and bloating, that kind of thing. So, but that may, again, not be the primary problem. You need to treat that because that's life-threatening. You need to give fluids and pain relief and syringe feeding, assuming you don't know that there's a foreign body. You know, we would typically, if we were seeing something like that with a dark cat, we'd be rushing the animal to surgery. Um, Let's get that foreign body out. Let's do that exploratory. Mm -hmm. We don't do that in rabbits because more often than not, it's GI stasis. It's a physiologic obstruction as opposed to a physical obstruction like with a foreign object. So treating supportively with fluids probiotics, syringe feeding, anti-inflammatories, not steroids, gotta be careful, that's one thing I should mention. Okay. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, we don't use things like Pred and rabbits because they don't handle it well. Um, they blossom with all kinds of infections if you suppress their immune system so they don't wanna do that. Um, You know, supportive care and getting the gut moving again, if you can get through that time and fluids is really important. Um, You know, maintenance rate in a rabbit for fluids is 100 milliliters per kilogram per day. Higher than a dog or cat. Because remember, they have this huge, voluminous GI tract. It's filled with all this mushy, fermented stuff. Um, and the first thing that a rabbit does when they go into GI stasis, regardless of the cause, is they suck all that water, all that fluid out of the GI tract to go to their vital organs, their brain, their heart, their kidneys, um, leaving this kind of mat of ingesta and hair and rabbits do have hair normally in their GI tract so you always hear a rabbit has a hairball well they always have hair in there so hairball is often the result of GI stasis not the cause, um, but giving fluids, even if it's sub-Q fluids, and certainly if it's the really moribund, you're going to give them IV fluids like you would a cat or dog, but giving them fluids may be the single most important thing you can do to get that GI tract moving, so you can stabilize the animal, you're not taking them to surgery, and you want to stabilize them anyway, even if you know that they ate the carpet or ate whatever, and they truly have a foreign object, otherwise they're going to die at surgery. So stabilize them, and then do your diagnostics, and then determine do I really have a foreign object in there, or is this just a physiologic type of
0: obstruction. Gotcha. Awesome. What percentage, in your opinion, uh, of the time, am I going to find my diagnosis in the history?
1: Oh, a lot. I think with exotics more so than cats and dogs. And that's because most people don't do their homework when it comes to buying an exotic pet. Or you know, adopting one, they say, "Oh, that's so cool! I gotta have that bunny. That's adorable, and it's different, and it's a lop-eared bunny, and its ears are hanging down. It's so cool." Or I have that bird. It's colorful. They don't know what the bird or the rabbit or the reptile or whatever needs, so they're not providing the proper husbandry. And you're not going to know that unless you ask the right questions. So diet environment um has, does it come out of the cage uh does it get exercised does it interact with things do you give supplements you know what kind of pelleted food what kind of you know hay is so important it should be the main thing in a rabbit's diet i can't tell you how many people come in and they have no idea that that's the case and then mm-hmm. rabbits don't grind their teeth down properly they don't uh, process the fiber in their gi tract properly and they get all kinds of gastrointestinal problems um, You know, like a dog or cat, you open kibble, right? Um, Right. Rabbits, the rule of thumb is no more than about a quarter of a cup of um, pelleted food, even good pelleted food, per five pounds of bunny weight per day. So for people who just fill up that big bowl, um, those rabbits get too much carbohydrate, their GI tract, their their flora gets off, all those clostridial bacteria that we talked about a few minutes ago, they come in, those are gas-producing bacteria you're setting them up for GI stasis. And the way to prevent that is to give them more fiber, more greens, more hydration, really good stuff for their GI tract.
0: Perfect. That, this is awesome, Lori. Thank you so much. Are there, um, are there any final pearls, piece of advice, cautionary bits of wisdom that, uh, that you want to leave us with or that you've seen uh, people struggle with?
1: Yes, I think this applies to all exotic animals in general. You know, we're trained with our cat and dog pets to go into the vet once a year for checkup. That's, you know, we get vaccines, heartworm testing, whatever. Um, People do not bring their exotic animals into the vet until they are sick and dying. And unfortunately, as we keep mentioning, mentioning, these animals are prey species. So they're really, really good at hiding their clinical signs until they just can't anymore. And that's when their owners notice that they're sick. So by the time the owner notices it's sick, um, it's really sick. And then they're bringing them into the vet. I implore vets to implore their rabbit-owning clients, birds, reptiles, whatever, their exotic animal owners, um, to get into the regular habit of preventative medical care, which means coming in once a year for your young animals and maybe twice a year for your senior animals. And what's senior for some species is different from others, you know. um, But just get into the habit of coming in because I may pick up things on a checkup that you're not going to see at home until the animal's really ill. And we can prevent those problems and help those animals live longer and happier lives.
0: All right. That's awesome. Laura, you are amazing. Where can people who want to learn more about rabbit medicine, who are like, they listen to this episode, they're like, you know what? I could do this. I would like to, I would like to do this. Where would you send those people?
1: I would send those people to AEMv.org, which is the association of Mammal uh, Exotic Mammal Veterinarians. Okay. Um, it's great online. It's terrific to be a member. There's great resources, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of places where you don't have to be inhibited about asking questions. So if you're a starting vet and inexperienced, Small Mammal Vet, you can get online, talk on Facebook, talk on chat groups, and ask real questions, um, and, and get some great input from people with lots of experience.
0: Okay. And where can people find you online?
1: You can find me in my two different sites, uh, which are, one is uh, avianexotics, with vet.com, exotics with an S on the end. That's my hospital website, the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics, and also uh, lorihessdvm.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Lori. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you
0: found it useful. I hope you found it helpful. I hope it made your life easier. If there's things that you would like to hear on the Kona Shame podcast, just let me know and I'll try to make them happen. Send me an email at podcast at DrAndyRourke.com. That's podcast at DrAndyRourke.com and I will do everything I can to make that thing a reality. So until next time, have a wonderful week. Take care of yourself. Let's be the vets and vet techs that our patients deserve. See you later.